0: See, that's where it blows my mind. Where you're in Belize already, Steve. Yeah. Jessica's in Boise. Mm-hmm. She's in line returning these <clears throat> homosexual books. You guys have no children together. And it's like, and you stuck it out. I guess it blows my mind because it's like, what kept you together?
1: I'm sick of talking about being gay. Let's just talk about Belize. <laughs> That's fine. Belize was a cool experience. Let's just talk about our time there. <laughs> it was a cooler experience than coming to Germany. Yes. being gay. <laughs> okay, cool. So Jessica and I went on vacation to Belize. My parents had a like a timeshare kind of a thing down there, and they took us down. And whenever we went on vacations and were cool, I would apply for jobs because I always wanted to manage a resort. Where did you apply for jobs?
2: Um, Cabo. Yeah, we just decided. Whenever we,
1: you know, all the time when we traveled all these (laughs) extravagant places, like twice. (laughs) (laughs) Everywhere. Everywhere. All two of them. (laughs) But I always wanted to manage a resort in some cool place, beachfront, some exotic location.
0: Do you still want to do that?
1: No. I want to manage a tiny Marriott hotel by the airport in Boise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy where I am. So I applied for a job down there at this place we're at in Belize. And interviewed for a job. Where in Belize was it? San Pedro. Hamburger's Key. Little island off the coast.
0: What was the name of the uh, resort?
1: Sueño del Mar.
0: Sueño del Mar.
1: And they actually offered me a job. But it was on a Belizean salary and it was so not doable. So we turned it down, went back to Boise. Six months later, I got a call or an email or something from someone who said, hey, I'm the new manager down here or the new, you know, we're the new ownership group of this resort. We saw your resume in a file somewhere. We want you to come be our operations manager. And I'm like, all right. So we did. That's the abbreviated version of that, I suppose.
0: But um, so we moved to Belize. And Jessica, you were all on board with it.
1: Sure. I don't think it took much. I don't think there was much of an argument. It was just like we were at a place where like there was nothing holding us back. Like we both enjoyed our jobs in Boise, but we weren't like in love with them. We had finished all of our fertility stuff and had kind of thought, you know what, enough is enough. Like let's quit trying to have a kid. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And at the moment it's not. So let's just go live our lives and have some adventure in some cool country. Do you remember what year this was? Nope. No.
2: What year was Penny
1: 2008. Born? Yeah. I don't remember what month. Do you? Beginning of 2008. Mid 2008.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's listen to Steve go on. Doesn't no, matter. It was in August of 2008.
1: August of 2008. Because we
2: went on that big road trip right before oh, yeah. we left. In That's July. when you got the call. Oh, yeah.
1: I had just taken a new yeah. job, and literally we my had, first day on the job is when I got that call from we Belize. we had
2: both just taken new jobs.
1: Yeah, we have. We got that
0: call. Where did you take your job, Jess?
2: I was working for American Cancer Society with a program here in Boise called Camp Rainbow Gold. So I was going. So you just be the taking that job, director? Mm-hmm. Yep, it was crazy. Yeah, and like Steve said, we weren't able to have a kid at that time, and uh, we weren't doing something right apparently. <laughs> huh. So we jumped on it. Everything worked out finance-wise. and
1: We rented out our house, which did not work out finance-wise. Rent was like half of what our stupid mortgage payments were, but whatever. We did it anyway. And we put our stuff in storage and moved. We lived on site at the resort in this awesome beachfront villa.
2: We also ended up getting an apartment in town, though.
1: Oh, yeah, we did later.
2: So that we could take the weekends and go into town. Resort that we lived at that Steve managed, was a half-hour boat ride from anywhere else in town. That was the only way to get there. And there was, like, one other teeny, tiny resort, like, up the beach from us. But other than that, there was nothing up there.
1: Yeah, it was totally off the grid, ran on diesel generators, had its own water filtration system, like a sewer treatment plant, completely off the grid, just a 10-acre patch cleared out of the jungle on this island.
2: And so we decided that if we were going to live up there, we needed to, first of all, have a break, from the resort because we were living where Steve worked. But we also wanted to be able to go to church and, like, be able to stay there because there were only certain times the boat went and we couldn't stay there long enough to get all the stuff we wanted to do done on Sunday for church. Yeah,
1: and I worked six days. So my Yeah.
2: So we'd come in Saturday night, usually, mm-hmm. and then stay Saturday. the night in our apartment. We
1: were staying. Initially, we'd stay at that hotel, and then we decided to get the apartment. I
2: I went that it wouldn't reverse that. Well, it was
1: probably hotel initially, then apartment. And then when we don't... got rid of the apartment, back to hotel, I guess.
2: <laughs> Eventually, just was like, this is stupid to have the apartment. <laughs> it was
1: stupid. It was a waste of money for one night a week, but
2: it made us feel like we had a re- way to get away. Yeah,
1: because living on the resort, it was just constant work. And like,
2: this wasn't a resort that was like tennis courts and no, it was... swimming pools and lots of restaurants or anything, it had one restaurant. And it had one swimming pool.
1: And it was a membership club. So the people that were there, like people would come down for the month of January, February. And then a whole another crowd came down for March and April. Yeah, they owned at least the use of a a particular villa for those months. It was a not a timeshare, it was a fractional ownership kind of a thing. But so we got to know these people.
2: Yeah, you'd get to know them. Because they're there
1: for a month or two at a time, many, you know, oftentimes. And but living on the resort, it was like just constant work. You know, in the evenings after work, we'd like want to sit out on our patio or something, and someone would be like, Oh, hey,
2: while you're out here, would you mind? And I'm just like, I'm not working. <laughs> so we literally like would go in our villa and not leave. <laughs> just lock
1: ourselves in and do nothing, but like.
2: Or if we did leave, we'd go jump in the ocean. Yeah, like, like it was like we had to go out. Yeah, to out the reef on the
1: kayaks or, or the windsurfers so or something. So people couldn't yes. find us. Because if we were just out and about, it always ended up being work. Yeah. So. That'd be annoying.
2: Which was amazing though, because the reef was like right off of our dock.
1: Well, it was clear the heck out there. Yeah, I mean, it was like 500 yards there. out. Yeah.
2: I mean, like we would swim yes. out there sometimes. Yeah.
1: So this was a different kind of beach than what people picture in the Caribbean. It was the waves crash 500 yards out on the reef. And then in between the reef and the shore, it's like six to eight feet deep all the way. And tons of sea life, just tons of plants and. Fish and giant rays, kind of these there. huge eagle spotted rays. yeah, these ginormous starfish. So it's not the typical kind of like lay on a beach where the waves are crashing your feet. it's it's very still because the waves are all out at the reef. and you can't just like walk right off the beach into the water because there's so much seagrass, yeah, which is like kind of, you know it would be like gross walking through that. So there was a pier that went out what five hundred feet out past the seagrass, and that's where you'd get in the water.
2: And we had kayaks and we had the little hobby cat,
1: like a little sailboat. Pretty and amazing place. Wind surfers. Really unique place. Really the cool.
2: Snorkeling. So I got certified to scuba dive. Scuba dive. Thank you. <laughs> but like I didn't see anything more impressive scuba diving down there than I did yeah. snorkeling. I mean, just it was right just. Right like, I like snorkeling yeah, better. It was way It's like all better. the same stuff, amazing. just with way
1: better lighting and minus yeah. all the baggage. I yeah. felt so dang claustrophobic in scuba
0: gear. So how did you guys keep yourselves entertained other than scuba diving or snorkeling? I watched
2: a lot of the Real Housewives. On <laughs> <I'm> Bravo.
0: On <laughs> Bravo. In fact,
2: like there were like certain stations that they could get and they would pick, like I think you had like ten stations yeah. they could bring into the resort and they would try and change the Bravo station out, and Steve was like, You can't change it.
1: Like if you want Just me to keep working here, we better keep Bravo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: because there was nothing to do.
1: And Jessica couldn't work because she didn't have a work permit. Yeah. Of course neither okay. neither did I for the first nine months.
2: <laughs> and so
1: For the first nine months, how long? Yeah, did you it there? just takes forever, a year and a half. Okay. It takes forever to get visas and whatever approved down there. So literally for the first nine months I was working there illegally because we we're waiting forever to get my work visa. My work visa approved. We kind of like my management group was like, buddies with the guy who oversaw all that, so yep. he kind of knew it was kind of like a thing they had worked out. But it was still, like, when the Border Patrol would show up, or is that what they were called?
2: I think so. I They'd don't show up
1: on their boats with their They'll guns and whatever, and we had, like, this thing all set up, me and my staff, that if they showed up, I'd take off into the jungle. and, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> funny. and I if don't I not did... remember that. You don't remember this? Uh-uh. No. You've got to remember it. Yeah, That's it was weird. like... I would like go off into the jungle and someone else would in be in charge, like four or five. Four
2: or and, five
1: times? You know, yeah. But one time they came up and they asked, I hightail it out there, and I get a call on the radio from my guy who's like, Mr. Steve, Mr. Steve, because that's what they call me down there. And uh, they're like, they're asking for you at the Palapa. And I'm like, well, you know the routine. If they're asking for the manager, just refer them to so-and-so. And they're like, no, they're asking for you by name. And I'm like, oh, crap. They finally have, like, figured it out. out. So I run back to the villa, and I go to grab, like, my passport and whatever cash I have and whatever else, and I'm like, Jessica. You don't remember this. I'm like, this is it. Like, they're taking me in. Like, I don't know what's going to
0: happen here, but. Steve's almost going to jail. Yeah, least, And you have no recollection of this. I
1: don't remember this at all. So I'm like, go talk to Kevin.
0: <laughs> Guys, He'll I be the one this, who can get I, me out, whatever. To our listeners, I promise this podcast is really relevant. She does really remember some things. <laughs> I promise. I promise.
2: <laughs> so
1: funny. Just wait till we get to the point about Penny's birth story. The things you forgot in that scenario just blow my mind. Anyway. Anyway, so. So I go up to the Palapa, and they're like, are you Steve? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they're like. We were told that if we talked to you that we might be able to get lunches when we stop here. <laughs> and I just like huge relief and I'm like, "Get these boys some lunch and around on us."
2: <laughs> so,
1: they weren't hauling me off to jail. That's good. They just wanted free food.
2: I do remember like going in. I had to go in every month to get my passport stamped yeah. and like wait in this stupid long line and like they were jerks they were every jerks. time. So I remember some things like that, weird stuff, but I don't remember that. I don't remember mm. this drama.
1: Funny. Well, I seriously thought funny. I was going to a in like,
2: For a while, because I literally, the last half of the time we were there, I really didn't do much except hang out. I was pregnant most of the last half. Yeah. But
0: so you were able to get pregnant. I got pregnant. In Belize. We, obviously.
1: I <laughs> 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 don't know why I decided <laughs> to throw in that tidbit. but. Yay. We had put in our adoption papers at this point.
2: We are going to adopt in Belize because it was a baby. lot less expensive.
1: Yeah, it would have cost. I'm sure it would have ended up being more if we actually went through with it. But supposedly the whole process was only going to be 1500 bucks.
2: And see, I actually really struggled with the idea of adopting. Like, I just didn't feel like it was something I would be natural at.
1: Because mm-hmm. um, Jessica doesn't like kids.
2: I like kids. No, you, I just... You... No, I—I I mean, I don't like kids, but I do. <laughs> I like kids that are related to me. And I've gotten more like, as my kids have gotten older, I like little kids a lot more now. But I think it's because I don't have to deal with that—that that stress. I don't know.
1: I used to worry.
2: Yeah, like about yeah.
1: having kids with you because I was just like, Jessica does not like children.
2: This was like a legit concern <laughs> in was. the hospital after I had Penny. Steve was concerned as to whether like, or not I was now Jessica. Enough.
1: You need to love this child. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) I don't
0: know what I said, but I was concerned.
2: I just... Those
0: concerns resolved very quickly.
2: I was worried about adopting.
0: If I would have known you at this time, I would have been like, hey, adoption's totally fine.
2: Yeah. It wasn't... (laughs) Why are you saying that?
0: Because my first child was adopted. Right. I know.
2: Yeah. And see, it wasn't like I had a stigma against adoption. I think adoption is an amazing. No, you just thing. had a stigma
0: against children, right?
2: I was just worried that because I wasn't like a natural, like motherly person. I don't know if I'm saying that right. No, I, but like it wasn't like a yeah. I,
1: you didn't naturally just like bond with some little kid. You know, some yeah. people they just see a baby and they're just like, oh my
2: gosh, I just love to see, see that baby. Me. And you're and yeah, that's mad. And Jessica
1: would just be like, oh, that little brat.
2: I was not. I wasn't that bad. Not there that bad, but somewhere in
1: between there.
2: That I loved. So anyways, we were in that process and then found out I was pregnant.
1: Yeah. And people always say, but, if you can't have a kid, put in your adoption papers and you'll get pregnant. Yeah. I don't know if it was that or moving to the Caribbean or who knows what. Something made a difference. I think it was just the right time. <laughs> yeah.
2: So when we first moved down there, I started, because I needed something to do. I'm not one to just sit around all day. So I started volunteering at a school there and helping in the classrooms and would go in like three days a week probably at least. Yeah. To go help in these. And I mean they were like the public schools. They were super poor. They were in the worst part of town. This, and not that like crime wise, I wasn't scared of going there, but it was just
1: this was a s-
2: extreme poverty. Lot of poverty. Yeah.
1: This school was built over the swamps. Do you remember yes. that? And they were gradually building up the level there by filling it with garbage.
2: Yeah. So you walked on planks, like these built up they were literally like skinny planks. I'll post pictures. Yeah, of we this. should find some. I have a whole probably bunch
1: probably like two by sixes. I mean rough yeah. cut, but about that size. Yeah. Just balancing on stumps and whatever.
2: And what, like people, what people part of were police was this?
1: What was it called? San Pedro is it was the, in the town. San Pedro. And key is the island.
2: I can't remember what they called that part of town though. There was a name oh, yeah, for it. What they call it. But like
1: But it's part most people didn't have electricity. Yeah. Most of the homes were built up on
2: On stilts stilts
1: because of the wet season. And This is like a place that if you fell in the water, you would, like, get sick. Oh, sorry.
2: It's okay. Yeah, but they were concerned about that. (laughs) That, like, we heard about somebody who fell in and got cut and then ended up with a serious infection and, like, I mean, just stuff like that. You heard about it all the time in that part of town. So, yeah, that's where the school was that I was going to. And after a while, I was just like, I cannot... Like, I don't know how to help here. I'm so out of my element. Like, it was just overwhelming, and it was really getting me depressed because I couldn't really do anything. I didn't know what to do, and I hated kids. Just (laughs) kidding. Those kids were so cute. I remember helping one day. The teacher had me stand up and help teach the difference between three and tree. (laughs) Like For half an hour, we went over how you say three and tree because they said them the same. They was both tree.
1: Because everyone tree. down there speaks Creole, Creole, basically. Officially, English is the first language in Belize, but it's really Creole, Yeah. which tree and tree.
2: It was so yeah. funny. <laughs> and what ultimately, the last day I was there, do you remember this, why yeah. I finally left? Yeah. It's I was in a kindergarten classroom. I'd been helping there for a few weeks, and I knew these kids pretty well and the teacher and the teacher was doing something, helping some of the other students, and I am like looking over the class, blah, 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 whatever, and I notice these two boys, and something's going on that's not right, and I look over, and the kid, one kid pulls his head out of the other kid's lap, and the other kid zips up his pants, and he'd been giving him a blowjob in kindergarten during class, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. I am in way over my head here. I can't do this. And I went and like talked to the people in the office and they're like, oh, these things happen all the time. Like it was no big deal. And they're telling me about other things that happened to other schools and different situations. And they're like, you know, they live in one bedroom houses. So sometimes they see things they shouldn't and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was just like, okay. They're like, we'll we'll talk to them. But these things happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So I don't think I went back.
0: Yeah, that was your last. (laughs) So you were in over your head with that.
2: Yeah. And I felt bad because I didn't know how to help. But I did work with the girls, like the youth in our church a lot. So at least I got to do that. Yeah. But like we literally would go to bed at like 8 because Mm. of the sun. Schedule there. The sun would come up at like
1: 4 in the morning. Maybe I'm exaggerating. What was it? 5? I
2: think it was 4 or (laughs) 5.
1: And it would go, yeah, like 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And it would go down at like 5.30 p.m.? I'm really? like, come on, Belize, change your freaking clocks a couple hours. Like, make that sun come up at nine and stay up till nine. <laughs> just,
2: so it was really frustrating because as
1: soon as I was done with work, it would be dark. And the, the mosquitoes were
2: killer. They just came out. So as course. soon as
1: sunset hits, everyone has to go indoors for like an hour or two. You can come out later. And we'd fumigate every night. Yeah. With this stuff that's not even legal in the US. <laughs> so, oh, you literally, called?
2: if you heard him coming, you had to go yeah. inside. Yeah, he had
1: this big backpack blower thing and he puts on this full bodysuit and this gas mask. and Flacco would do this. And he'd walk around with this ginormous sprayer that just like missed the whole 10 acres and kills Maybe the Maybe that's
0: how you were able to get pregnant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's why Penny came out so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. So yeah, and then from that point on, I mostly hung out at the resort. Tried to keep myself busy there.
0: Steve, was your mind mostly occupied just with work?
1: I mean, work kept me super busy. There was a lot to do. And honestly, looking back, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was so new in my career. This position, I was way underqualified for this position. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned a lot and I did a good job and I I feel like I was successful at it. But honestly, it was looking back, I would do so many things differently. And uh, one of which is I would work less, figure out a way to accomplish more yeah. in less time, and be able to actually enjoy this amazing, beautiful place that we live. But um, work kept me busy. I was very concerned about Jessica's pregnancy once she got pregnant on this island. Where when we're did middle... you find
0: out when you were pregnant? That you were pregnant? How long after you guys moved to Belize that you did you find out? Must I mean, I know been... these are really hard questions. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> so it was like, it was in February or March.
1: October, November. So it was five or six months, right? Yeah. February, March of 2009. Nine. Nine.
2: That was interesting because we'd been trying for like four years at that point, mm-hmm. something like that. So, I mean, we'd been trying to have a baby for quite a while yeah. and had done some infertility stuff and that hadn't worked. And at this point, we weren't trying anything except good old-fashioned sex. And I, the month before, it was interesting because my brother had come down to Belize for school. And I went and stayed with him for a couple of days while he was there. And then— Oh, so
0: he told you about that.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that he was there. Yeah. And then he came to the island. But anyways, while I was staying there with him, I was late. Like, and I thought I was pregnant. And the pregnancy test was negative, but I had gone into the doctor on the island, and he did, like, an ultrasound, and he's like, oh, yeah, I definitely think you're pregnant. Come back in a few days, and we'll do another blood test and and see. And so, like, I went over there, and I told my brother that I was late, I might be pregnant, and, like, tentatively, you know, and he was getting excited, and then I started my period while I was there. Mm. And I remember... He was just crushed. My brother is super sensitive and sweet. And so like I was kind of glad he was there. You've seen it when we got married, Matt. Matt's like giving Matt, me this. Matt's weird making look. a
1: face like Who's at our he?
2: wedding. When we got sealed, sorry, not at our wedding. When hmm. we got sealed in the temple and he started crying and you were like, What? Anyways, so then the next Are you sure month- that was
1: your wedding? Because he did that at ours too.
2: Yes, it was <laughs> it was ours.
1: It was probably yours, Steve. Oh, my goodness. It was definitely <laughs> ours. I don't know about yours, but ours, it, yes.
2: was It was both.
0: Okay, so carry on.
2: So then the next month, I really was pregnant. Yeah. And, like, it was the first time I'd had, like, the little stick come up positive, even though, like, I'd been late before and thought maybe I was before, and it happened a bunch of times. Did you save times. the stick? No, I didn't save the stick.
0: I thought it yeah. was a thing. It had pee on it.
2: Oh. I, I didn't say mistake. <laughs>
0: was it Steve C? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. But I remember like sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And it was like totally underwhelming because I was like, there's no way.
0: Yeah, because you already gone through this emotional. Yes,
2: like just the month before. Yeah. And it was honestly, the month before is the first time that I really felt like it could actually be happening for reals and felt like this was going to happen for us. Like it was the first time I really felt that, and then to have the doctor tell me that I probably was, and then not be, I was just like, whatever. And so, Steve was in a meeting, and I'm like, do I go tell Steve or not? Because it's like across the yard, basically. I mean, if it was like, if you were in the states, it was like I was walking. Should I put on some slippers? Yeah. Oh, we didn't
1: wear shoes down there. (laughs) I went. I went to work barefoot every day. Go in a
2: swimsuit to work half the time.
1: It's just sandy and. Sand he had his shirt no. on, but
2: he oh. would, like, walk over yeah. in his swimsuit and a T-shirt. Do they yeah. have
0: bro takes back then?
2: No, it wasn't Too a bad. thing yet. Too
0: bad. Steve's wearing a bro take tonight. I am.
2: Anyways, I went and told him, and he was like, okay, you're not pregnant. We'll talk about this later. Like, that was legit the reaction I got. he's <laughs> like, okay.
1: It's just like, yeah.
2: The most underwhelming.
1: It just didn't seem real because it never was real. It
2: didn't. Until months later, but yeah.
0: So you were down in Belize your whole pregnancy.
2: My whole pregnancy. I gave birth down there, so I started going to the doctor on the island for a few appointments, and then I went home to the states and had an ultrasound, just like in the mall, (laughs) to find out if I was having a boy or a girl. Because in Utah, that's a thing.
1: In the mall?
2: Yes. I legit went and had an ultrasound in the mall. (laughs)
0: Steve was looking at me like. Steve wasn't
2: there. With my mom and found out it was a baby girl and bought tons of stuff. Do you remember all the stuff we bought? We had like six suitcases full of like baby clothes mm, and yeah. diapers. Took and
0: all this back to Belize. We took
2: it all back to Belize because they, if you bought stuff down there, it was so expensive. Yeah. And plus the stuff they had was just crap. And there were like three people that had baby showers for me while I was oh, home. Oh, yeah. Which I forgot about until I was going through all our stuff.
1: I thought you were say down there because you had at least two they I can think been- of down there.
2: Oh, yeah, there a were two. A sueño
0: one and a church one. Yeah. So speaking of church, how how active were you guys in the church? Oh, Super man. hyperactive. Hyperactive. <laughs> so
1: when we first went to church there, there were 11 people in meeting, And we kind of took on the challenge of getting membership up and working with the missionaries and the branch president. So there were American, well, there were missionaries down there. Oftentimes it was an American and a Latin, Latin Latino and the branch president who oversaw the church on the island yeah was american an expat a really good dude really weird dude
2: but really cared about those people
1: really cared really had their best interest at heart and worked so hard for them but so desperately needed help just could mm-hmm. not do it by himself so he was just thrilled to have us there and our like desire to help and our enthusiasm and we worked it We worked that island. Like, we got the church records. I think there were 130 members on the records that lived on the island. And we took on the task of, let's get these things cleaned up. Let's find out who of these 130 people are still here, who has moved away, who has moved in. But, like, let's get these records cleaned up, and let's get these people back to church. So we worked our tails off for that year and a half. And by the end, there was attendance of, like, 150 people. We outgrew the little house that they were using as a chapel initially.
2: The house that when we would show up for church for Sunday, the toilets didn't work.
1: Or we're backed up.
2: And so we're backed up and it would reek. And then there was always water covering the floor. So we had to go in and we'd get all of these, yeah, brooms Mm -hmm. and be sweeping it out the front door.
1: The whole place was probably about the size of this room that we're sitting in. Plus two little tiny side rooms Mm -hmm. for like, one was the nursery and one was the bishop's office, the branch president's office.
2: The young women met on the porch out front. Yeah. In the heat. In the sun. In the sun. There
0: was shade.
2: No, we were in the heat. All right. <laughs> I remember sitting there teaching lessons in like, yeah. so hot. And pregnant.
1: I think when we reached 90, we have a picture. I love that one picture of, can you imagine 90 people in this room right now? No. Yeah.
2: We just, we had no 90. Way. Yeah. All of these people Let's find in. Matt the
1: picture. 90 people in a room this I want to see this picture. We'll show you the picture. And that's the picture. So this branch was kind of just forgotten about. It was part of a district that was all in mainland, mm-hmm. and this was so far off that like it was just out of sight, out of mind, basically. So hearing this from the branch president and his frustration with like not getting support and whatever, I was like, let's get this back on the map. So every Sunday, we would take pictures and type up a little storyline of whatever happened and email, email it, it to an ever-growing list of church leaders Starting with like the district president and his counselors. And then when Jessica met the young women people, we'd add to it and whatever. And then coincidentally, my mission president from when I was in Bolivia mm-hmm. was now super high up in the church. He was the area authority over all of Central America, which included Belize. So I included him on this list and anyone I could get networked through him. And so slowly, you know, everyone was seeing the progress. Every week, we it grew a little bit bigger and there were more people and more people. And eventually, like this picture, of 90 people crammed in this tiny little one room house was That's like, crazy. All right. It was nuts. San Pedro needs a bigger chapel. And the district presidency started coming out. Eventually the area president that I was just talking about, my mission president, came out. And but we got a bigger chapel. It was an old movie theater right downtown, if you can call it that.
2: Like three floors Third up.
1: Third story that had A nice, like, nice tile floor. Third story, it doesn't flood. It had windows on all sides so we could get this nice sea breeze. So the main room was at least double that size, if not triple. And that was our chapel. And then it had one, two, three, four little rooms off to the side, maybe?
2: I think just three. Maybe just three. And then the young women had a room down below at that place that we met at. There was another floor down.
1: And my favorite thing about it was where all the chairs were lined up and we had a pulpit up front had huge sliding doors, that whole wall would open up and behind it is this incredible ocean view of the reef. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> it
0: was That's phenomenal. Awesome. So you looking at this. That as well?
1: Probably. I'm, I'm sure, sure I've got some. But looking at the speaker. So the speaker is just like a black silhouette with this yeah. amazing ocean behind him, this turquoise water.
2: <laughs> the crazy thing too, yeah, I gotta tell you about this. I haven't told Steve about this story yet. But the crazy thing was we saw somebody almost every week that we either knew or we had some connection to in the States. So at church... Oh, yeah. Like, there it's a small world. Somebody. You would not believe. So Matt and I were at a wedding a couple weeks ago. And these people are sitting behind us. And I'm like, Matt, I know these people. I know these people. And I could not figure out why. And then I, like, I ask them, like, as we're all leaving this wedding, I said, you guys look so familiar. And we're going through.
0: Yeah. And they and they were like, you look way familiar, too. And we're not sure why or where or how. So who and were they?
2: Somehow they came to the branch. Oh, gosh. And they had, like, it was somebody that had, like, gotten involved, I think, with one of the Christmas things we were doing. Mm, okay. And, like, helping people in San Pedro. Anyways, it was so funny. They were like, they are from
1: Belize. Yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about how, like, people that were, you know, visiting, visiting on vacation in Belize would look up where's the local church that we can go to on Sunday and would end up at the branch.
2: Yeah. And, well. We met a lot of people. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. But it, so is, it
1: was really funny. Like, we'd get talking to someone and they'd be like, oh, I'm from Idaho. Oh, I went to school. With, you know, we find out we have mutual friends or that we actually knew each other from somewhere else. Or we, you know, it was just very small world.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we never went more than three weeks of being down there without having somebody visit at our resort.
1: Yeah. Like family members or, friend or friends things. or yeah. whoever.
2: There was always somebody down there visiting.
1: And, of course, my family was still coming and going because my parents were members there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But eventually with this church thing, what we did to help get people to church was we would go... So on this island, there's no cars. I think there are now, but back then there weren't. Maybe like one or two. But everyone just drove drove golf carts. carts. Oh.
2: There were a couple taxis.
1: There were just sand streets, and people just drove around in their golf carts. And uh, the main part of town is only three blocks wide. So the island is literally... You can walk from one end to the other in like three and a half minutes flat because... So there's front street, middle street, back street, and then there's just beach on either (laughs) end of that. Other parts of the island are a lot bigger, and it's a 14-mile long island. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, except the golf cart. The the branch president had a golf cart. So we would, every Sunday morning, we would go out in teams of three different companionships between me and Jessica, the elders, the branch president one of his counselors, Brother Lammy. (laughs) We would split up in three different... Companionships and go out and on golf carts. Uh, one on golf carts and the rest of us on foot.
2: On bikes or foot. Yeah. So we had a meeting in the morning that was in English.
1: Oh yeah, because we did two we church had two sessions a day. i that. Two church sessions,
2: and one was in English. And Steve would take roll of everybody that was there, and then we would sit down after church and eat lunch oh, yeah. and make a list of everybody that wasn't there. And we divided up by areas on the island, and then those three companionships Steve was just talking about would leave and go visit every single person that was not at church.
1: And say, hey, we missed you at church this morning, but guess what, you have another chance because we're about to have the same meeting again in another hour. And, and we then, would translate both meetings. It was yeah. supposed to be English in the morning, Spanish in the afternoon, but it really was we just, always,
2: yeah. the English yeah. one
1: got translated to Spanish, and then in the afternoon the Spanish one got translated to English.
2: Very I've never cool. given so many talks in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I swear like every other Sunday. It probably speaking. wasn't, but it felt like that. Right. We spoke a lot. Yeah. Steve spoke a lot. But yeah, it was a cool experience because I had never served a mission. And so it was kind of like this little mini mission that I got to be in on with Steve as a young couple and we would go visit all these people and it was fun to see like that side of Steve that I didn't see on his mission. Yeah. Yeah. That was super important to you Yeah. and you were passionate about. And it was cool, like, going over when we'd go to mainland and we'd meet all these people on mainland and connecting with them in their church congregations and then meeting Steve's mission president, who actually was my cousin, my yeah. second cousin as well. And so, like, yeah. your second cousin? My was grandpa's it? cousin, yeah. sorry. He's my grandpa's cousin. Yeah. But, crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. And so, like, it was just a really— you felt very connected to the people because, like, through the church. Yeah. That was a really great way that we were able to connect yeah. with.
0: I mean, through serving others, you develop a bond and a connection that yeah. lasts forever.
2: So I was over the young women, and they would, like— And so for that, we'd have, like, a lesson with just the girls that are 12 to 18 years old. And then we also did, like, a weekly activity, like, a during the week. And— we would have them up to Sueño probably once a month, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And they would come up to our resort. And I mean, that was like nothing they'd ever experienced. I remember doing the dishes with them after one of the activities. And they were like mind blown about putting dishes in the dishwasher because we had a dishwasher. We had a dishwasher? Yeah. Oh, in our
1: villa. In I our thought you meant in the, yeah. No.
2: Okay. And so it was just fun to be able to it's interact funny. I don't with, think them with them and spend time with them. What?
1: I don't think I've had a dishwasher since then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have when we were married.
1: Did we? You have After a dishwasher in your marrying. house No, I don't. know.
2: That's why he and Penny what? only use uh, paper plates.
1: That's true. You serious? Mm-hmm. Huh. Cool. But even when I had a dishwasher, I only used it as a drying rack. I'd wash by hand and just... I mean, it was just me and Penny in my apartment.
0: Wow.
1: Which is why it's so funny when you two bought your first house that, of course, had a dishwasher... And Penny probably what five years old when Jessica, you were like, Four. no, Penny, you can put the dirty dishes in there. It'll it'll wash them. I don't think
2: we had a dishwasher in our first house. That was in cool. your
1: did. one over off Hill. You did,
2: yeah,
1: I know. because yeah, in the other one you. Oh, did we
2: didn't. We didn't. Yeah. Our first house we lived in, we didn't, is what he's saying.
1: But when you told Penny, no, you don't have to wash them first. Just put the dirty dishes in there. It'll wash them for you. And Penny's like, it will wash the dishes? <laughs> My daddy has one, but his doesn't wash the dishes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Anyways. But yeah, it was kind of like that experience with the young woman. And like, I had them come teach me how to make some food. Like, that was... Typical food. Yeah, typical food to Belize. And then they... Like I remember making pizzas with them one time, and just stuff like that was really fun. And we had the elders come up, the missionaries come up Mm -hmm. a couple of times too. And I remember one of the elders coming out of the bathroom and being like, "The toilet seat's cold." Like I've never sat on a cold toilet seat because we we had had air conditioning. And so it was like I was like I never thought about that, but it was like (laughs) so weird to him. I was just dying laughing.
0: (laughs) He must have been a Latin.
2: Yeah. So there were lots of just funny experiences like that, and really cool experiences where we got to be involved and travel with them to go to the temple and, and yeah, in Guatemala.
1: Guests. It was a and heck of a Merida. Oh yeah, there was one in Merida. Yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, we But were, it was
1: really a huge rewarding part of our experience down there. And
0: the church part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Like every Sunday, by the end of our Sunday, we were just exhausted and just yep. beat, just sweaty and tired and I mean, you know how it was, Matt, as a missionary. Yeah. That's how it felt on the end of our Sunday. It had in, been in that area basically a day in a mission in the San Pedro mission is what it felt like. And it was really cool that we got to do that together. That is awesome. A really cool experience. Yeah. For me, it was important because I was very much fighting off this side of myself, that this gay side of myself that I hated and wanted to like keep at bay. And this was...
0: An outlet or...
1: I don't know if an outlet, but I, like, it was just good to be a part of something wholesome and righteous and, like, see the success there and to feel. I always kind of felt like I needed to work extra hard at this kind of thing to, like, make up for this huge deficit,
0: like, this huge. That you felt it was a deficit.
2: And that always broke my heart. Because, like, I could see that in you, like, that desire to, like, overcompensate because you felt like you were a bad person just because you had these feelings or attractions. And... And I always just wish I could have, like, helped you see that you were fine exactly how you were. You weren't doing anything that was horribly wrong for just being you, you know? Well, I but seriously, I knew you wanted, like, you just yeah. fought for it. And especially in Belize, I watched you, like, really, like, just dive in and go for it.
1: I needed that. I So the opportunity was there. But I seriously always felt like I had to, like, work harder and be that much more... I seriously felt like I had to be more righteous than the average person to make up for how unrighteous I was on this other side of myself. The spectrum was wider for me. Like my, you know, silly to think this, but like my sins were worse. And so my righteousness had to be more to make, to compensate.
2: And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I think that's a... It's
1: not unique to yeah. me. And yeah. I th- I may have thought it was.
2: <laughs> no, it was real. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not like trying to minimize how that feels or anything. But I think lots of people will relate to that yeah. those feelings of, like...
1: To think that they're so much worse than someone yes. else or that they've done worse yes. things. and yeah.
2: yeah. And so at this point, and we alluded to this in the last episode, but at this point, Steve had come to terms with the fact he was gay. And we had talked about it. And mm-hmm. so, like, we, at that point, it wasn't, like, a daily conversation or anything, but it was something we discussed and, like, checked in on occasionally. We had said yeah. that, like, usually we checked in When we knew one of us was at a breaking point. Like one of us just needed.
0: Were there those breaking points down in Belize? Or were they far less? There were a lot less temptations for me down in Belize.
1: Just a lot less access to things that were triggers. The
2: internet didn't work as well. (laughs) (laughs) There was porn on TV at night. But it was straight porn. So it didn't appeal to them as much.
1: Still was a trigger temptation on a regular basis.
2: But then like after I had Penny, I was up in the middle of the night. So right. I was the only one watching the porn then. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I wasn't. But I'd flip through the channels and be like, oh, there's the porn. But um, yeah. So I think that even lessened it too, is like you can't just get up because I'm in and out. Yeah.
1: At this point, I had lost my temple recommend. I wasn't temple worthy, which anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's... I don't know how much to go into this, but like a Mormon church, anyone is welcome in a Mormon church. But to go into a Mormon temple, you have to be found worthy. You have to sit down with the bishop and go through an interview and answer a long list of questions of basically to determine are you morally clean Clean. and worthy to enter this sacred building? So because of, I don't know remember specifics.
2: I think that was partially your own choice. I think
1: it really was. I think the branch president very much left it up to me and said, do you feel worthy of your temple recommend or not? Do you feel like your actions merit it? And I don't know specifically what actions were what, but I know it was that I didn't have it.
2: Because I remember that most of the time of our marriage, if you didn't have a temple recommend, it was of your choosing. Kind of like you were like, "Ah, I just don't feel like right now is the time for me to be going to the temple and kind of like stepped back. I don't think it was necessarily, I don't remember it ever being like, taken away. But maybe that's just what I remember. I don't know. Do you have different memories of that?
1: Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think it was just always my choice. I mean, I know there were plenty of times that...
2: Or maybe there was like a, hey, maybe you should wait for a while or something. I don't know. It was always
1: on short periods of time. Like in this case, I think the branch president said, let's, you know, give me a recommend.
0: I think going off of that, I think determining our own worthiness is always our own
2: choice. That's true. Right. Anyways...
0: But I think it was like a six-month,
1: let's revisit this topic in six months and see if you can get it back kind of a thing.
2: Because I remember we went to Guatemala and went to the temple with the branch, and you and I went.
1: I think that was—and then after that, I lost it because the next temple trip, I didn't go on. You did not go,
2: though. We were there together.
1: Did I go in? It was
2: when we came home from the United States, we met them in Merida at the temple— I swear you went in, well, but I do not know. I know
1: there were several temple trips, and I know there was <laughs> at least one of them that I did not go on because I was not temple worthy. Hmm. I planned the whole thing, and I got you all on boats and sent you off.
2: I didn't go without you. Yeah,
1: you didn't, but the people that were going, but I didn't go, and I think I just made said I couldn't leave for work or something, but the reality was I just wasn't worthy, and I didn't have a temple recommend, and that was brutal. Just beat myself up for that so much.
2: And Steve came to terms, I realized Steve came to terms with being gay right before we moved to Belize. Yeah. In fact, it was after you were gone. Yeah. So that was an interesting time.
0: I don't think you've told that story, have you?
2: No. We we alluded to that last episode, but we never got into it.
0: Got into what?
2: About Steve coming to terms with the fact he was gay and then me realizing.
0: Was there a set time that Steve is to terms with being gay? Or was it? Uh, There wasn't for me. I know there was a. It was definitely a progression.
2: But it was during that time, right before we left, like a couple months before we left, that he really embraced it. I don't know why
1: I don't have detailed, very detailed memories of that time frame.
0: Do you think you could reach back into a journal entry, check and see? Because that would be it would be helpful
1: for
2: all of us. People who are going through the same thing.
1: But right before we moved to Belize was when the door was finally open for you and I to talk about it.
2: Yeah, and that that was like. An exact moment.
0: (laughs) What was that exact moment like, and how did that door open?
2: So Steve had already moved to Belize, and I was still in Boise, like, finishing up selling cars and renting our house out and things like that. Because it was pretty quick that we left and moved down there. And Steve had, under the direction of his counselor, gone to Deseret Book, which is an LDS bookstore, and bought, like, some help books, like, workbook-type things. Yeah, they gave me a list of of books to get.
1: Mormon authors, books mm-hmm. about self-help for gay Mormon men.
2: And so he had also bought a bunch of CDs. And he had, like, yeah, especially CDs, for yeah, youth. This, was,
1: this was a time when we, <laughs> when we bought CDs. Oh, I do remember, especially for youth, yes. they were. I wanted to, like, especially youth, it was church music, like, upbeat yeah. church music. that the Stuff that I used to listen to on my mission that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And knowing I was going down to this place... New place, new temptations, new whatever. I wanted to have something to, like, boost myself spiritually.
2: But through this, he had not told me that he had come to terms with the fact that he was gay. And whenever that was, specifically, I don't know. But he hadn't, like, specifically told me. But he did have me return a bunch of these CDs he had bought. So he had left, and he left me the receipt and the CDs. And I go into Deseret Book, and I am standing in line. And I'm just looking over the receipt. Because I have nothing else to do, and <laughs> I get down further, and it just says homo, homo, because it like doesn't have the whole words.
1: An abbreviation of
2: abbreviation of books. homosexual, yeah, of these book titles, and it's like or Homos, categories or whatever. Blah blah blah, homo. Blah, blah. I can't remember what the exact said. I just remember this list of like four or five things that were all about homosexual books feelings or, or whatever. Yeah. CDs. So I was like, like, oh my gosh he's finally acknowledging that he's gay. And so I went and I returned them and then I went and I was like, okay, if there's something here that he bought for him, there's gotta be something to help me here too. Like, which I had never thought about before. So I went and bought some books that were for like friends and family of-
1: Yeah, a lot of them, same author kind of-
2: But from One for a gay Mormon
1: man, one for the loved one of a gay Mormon man. You know, they were just help books for someone who's trying to support a gay yeah. loved one.
2: So I went and bought them, and went home, and called Steve, and was like, "Hey,
0: <laughs> I found these. I noticed this on the closet. Seat.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I bought these books to help me. That I'm going to read, kind of like this whole conversation of where where does this put us? What does this mean for us?
0: Steve, do you remember this conversation? Not in great detail.
2: We each remember parts of it. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, just telling Steve, I mean, not in these exact words, but I'm in this, I'm committed, if that's what you want. If that's not what you want, I understand.
1: And my response was, I'm in this, I'm committed, this is what I want. Yeah. This is not a side of myself I want, not a side of myself I've engaged, it's... Yeah. Anyway.
2: And I'm like staying at my parents' house for these few weeks and I'm reading these books upstairs in this bedroom that they have. And I mean, I was reading a lot because I wanted to know how I could help and what I should do. And a lot of the books are about, you know, these marriages where the husband has numerous affairs and then leaves or they stay together through all of it and all these different scenarios. And I remember there was a lot of crying And just like processing all of that and really knowing that this was probably going to be my life in some form, you know, one of these versions would be our story. In the future. Yeah. And not knowing which version that would be, but knowing that I was committed.
0: See, that's where it blows my mind, where you're in Belize already, Steve. Yeah. Jessica's in Boise. Mm Mm-hmm she's in line returning these homosexual books. You guys have no children together. And it's like, and you stuck it out. I guess it blows my mind because it's like, what kept you together?
2: We loved each other. And I think like, you know, we don't take marriage lightly. And I don't know that anybody ideally takes marriage lightly. I'm sure there's people that do, but we'd made a commitment to each other. And there was no reason to leave that commitment at that point.
1: And I don't I, think either of us really considered it.
2: I didn't. It I don't, wasn't a consideration. Yeah, it's just,
1: just like for me, being gay and out and living a gay lifestyle was not an option in my mind. Yeah. Neither was us splitting up and divorcing. It just wasn't no. an option. It was just not something you do. Not something we would have considered. Even
2: considered, mm-hmm. either of us. And it is funny. like There it,
0: was no hesitation. Was there yeah. any hesitation of like, I don't, I don't I don't know if I should go to Belize? I no. Should it really blows my mind that
1: there wasn't that hesitation for you, Jessica.
2: It is weird. Like because...
1: for, for me, it wasn't, but I had, I had the better end to the stick here. Like, you know, I'm the one who's struggling, but I have this amazing, loving, supportive wife who is all in and has my back no matter what. And is so incredible. You know, you on the other hand, you had this husband with this major.
2: But I had a man by my side that loved me and that loved me for who I was. And, you know, made me feel good about myself and appreciated, you know, the parts of me that made me unique and made me who I was. And You're, so I think that's...
1: Your needs were met, right? Yeah. This marriage,
2: I was you, happy. you got what
1: you needed out of this marriage, yeah. right?
2: Like, it is funny, like, hearing you say it that way, Matt, because it is like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the perfect time to leave, but it didn't even, yeah. I never thought about it that way.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.